8.14 a.m. today. Hey guys, Charles here. How can I enjoy a movie in the theater when people are being rude and talking through it? This has ruined multiple movie experiences for me, so I'd really like an answer. Appreciate it. Thanks. I think we can help with that. Uh, Scott Adsit is here with us now, along with some friends. You probably know Scott as Pete Hornberger on NBC's 30 Rock. Scott, what, what would you do? Join their conversation. Turn around and just start talking to them like they're friends and get in on what they're talking about and be really interested in it, and they'll eventually shut up. Does that come from experience? Yes, it does. Really? Yeah, I had a long conversation with somebody in Forrest Gump, <laughs> which I didn't uh, really mind. Um, the guy kept asking questions about... Why was he doing that? What was he, why did he do that? And I turned around and started talking about the symbolism of the movie with him, really excitedly with big wide eyes and a big smile. And uh, he kind of nodded and said, oh, okay, thank, thank, thank you. And then he shut up. And I didn't have to be rude and I didn't have to hit anybody or threaten anybody. I just had to be friendly. I friendlied him sh- to shut up. That makes a lot of sense. You'll enjoy your movie and you'll make a friend. There you go, Charles. Uh, we caught up with Scott, we should say, at the Chicago Improv Festival. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Mike. And I'm Ian. On today's show, how to be a hand model. Plus, our coldest toilet of the week. But first, there was a story earlier this week that Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's office had been bugged. Someone secretly recorded his staff talking about his potential challenger for 2014, Ashley Judd. Here's some of the secret tape. Not only has she clearly claimed Tennessee as her home, she's actually mocked Kentucky to Tennessee audiences. Uh, she was bemoaning the low voter turnout among women in Tennessee to the people that's worse than even in Kentucky. Do we have that audio? Yeah. That's a written for you, I believe. Um, and then she owns, again, pending her divorce settlement, but she currently owns a multi-million dollar mansion in Scotland. So, as Rand said, she sort of is linked to Scotland. Now, well. on Thursday, uh, a group called Progress Kentucky fessed up to doing the covert recording. They didn't bug the office. They just stood outside the conference room where McConnell was meeting and listened in with a tape recorder. Now, that's pretty low tech. We wanted to look into more advanced stuff. Uh, Joining us now is Matt Honan from Wired Magazine. Matt, uh, what can you tell us about what else is out there? I think one of the one of the technologies that's actually already in widespread use is something called FinFisher, uh, which is uh, software made by a company called Gamma International. And it can do things like take over your phone's microphone, take over your computer's microphone, your computer's camera, and spy on you remotely. Uh, it acts sort of like malware, uh, so it's designed, it can, you know, designed to be installed covertly. And once, once it's installed, uh, basically your phone that's in your pocket becomes an always-on monitoring device. So it's like, you know, kind of the same way I might get uh, an annoying bug kind of pop-up thing on my computer. Uh, there would be this thing hiding that could record me whenever I had my phone. Right. And it might look like it's an update from iTunes. It might look like, you know, something that was optimizing your phone. Uh, and then all of a sudden you've got this bug with you all the time. Now, could this uh, this or something like it uh, record visuals out of your webcam? Yeah. Here's the thing I always wonder about that. Uh, on, on my Mac, whenever you're using the webcam, like for uh, chatting or whatever, the, there's a little green light uh, that appears right next to it so you know it's on. When this stuff's operating, is there some code in there that tells it to turn the green light off? Well, now, so my understanding from Apple, uh, I, I've actually asked Apple about this before. My understanding from Apple is that that little green light is hardwired to the camera itself. So if the camera's getting power, that green light is getting power. 
That's right. Really uh, and <laughs> but that's that's certainly not true on um, that's certainly not true on all webcams and all systems. Uh, and that's the the very reason that a lot of people put black tape over the webcams now um, because it you know a little piece of black electrical tape because it you know they don't trust that that's actually happening. And who knows if there's not some clever way to uh, to turn off that light um, and keep the camera recording uh, that we're not aware of. Okay, so what other what other things are out there that are are spying on us? Well, uh, I think the micro drones are pretty interesting. Uh, there's an Air Force video that came out recently. Um, it looks at the Air Force's little, these little bug-sized uh, drones. You know, you think of drones, you think of uh, predator drones that are, that are really big, or at least, you know, the, uh, you, you know, I think of a Parrot AR drone that's, that's the, you know, the size of a large Frisbee with some, you know, big components on it. But these micro-drones are not much larger than bugs, smaller than birds. And, uh, you know, not only can they potentially fly into a place and spy on you, they can kill you. What? Yeah, there's an Air Force video that actually shows a, uh, you know, it's a simulation, but it shows uh, one of these little uh, drones taking out a bad guy. With a tiny yeah. gun? With a tiny gun, yeah. And, you know, when you look at the Air Force's videos of these things, I mean, what you're talking about are, are I mean, they actually look like little bugs, and they're, they're operating in swarms. Do they flap their wings like little bugs? They flap their wings like little bugs, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Oh, man. So uh, we always hear about cameras out there uh, monitoring what we do. What's happening with that now? Well, here in San Francisco, we are uh, about to get a fleet of cameras that are going to be able to automatically detect suspicious activity. Wait, so the camera, something in it is, is deciding that it's suspicious? That's right. The camera itself will decide it's, it's suspicious. <laughs> and uh, so like here, they're, they're going to install like a, a huge fleet of cameras, so there's going to be something like 300 cameras, um, and they can track lots of people in real time, and they will learn what suspicious behavior looks like. And as they learn what suspicious behavior looks like, um, and, and of course that's going to have to have some, sort of, some degree of human curation uh, showing them what that is, uh, they'll start alerting guards so that you don't have to have resources sitting there actually monitoring all of these 300 cameras. The cameras monitor themselves. Well, I can just imagine, though, if you're standing like on a train platform waiting for a train and you're, you know, you have your, your headphones on and you're talking to somebody on the phone, like a camera could just see that as a guy pacing and talking to himself. Yeah, you'd think. And, uh, you know, and the thing is that the reports that I saw, these, these cameras, these DRS cameras, they're not just going to be operating by themselves. It's not like some robot is going to come out and arrest you because the camera saw suspicious behavior, but it's going to send a guard to go check things out and... Presumably, you know, when, once the law enforcement officer shows up, they would be able to use human judgment to say, okay, well, this is just a guy talking on his phone on a headset. It's not actually a crazy person who's about to uh, push somebody onto the tracks. Well, but that seems like best case scenario. Worst case, they send out a, a micro drone. Right. <laughs> yeah. Worst case, they send out a micro drone with, they, with kill orders. Yeah, with <laughs> tiny little guns. Flapping its little bug-like wings. Well, this is great. Thanks so much for your time, Matt. Thank you. Hope that worked. That was that. Uh... We're good and terrified. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. I slammed my hand in the door uh, earlier this week when I was leaving my apartment, and uh, my first thought was, "There goes my hand modeling career." But we're optimists, and so we want to make sure that Ian's career as a hand model is for sure dead. 
So we're going to go talk with a professional who scouts hand models. We're going to go down to the studio and meet with Wade Childress from the Stewart Talent Agency. Uh, you'll know we're there when we start speaking in hushed tones. Hushed modely tones. Okay, so Wade, what makes a good hand for hand modeling? Every hand has a job out there for it to some extent. Uh, in general, for women, smaller hands with longer fingers tapered nicely where the knuckles aren't uh, too swollen or out of proportion with the rest of the finger, uh, a lack of lines on the hands or on the palms. Um, for the men, uh, the basically two types of hands. Uh, one is a more refined hand, something you'd expect to see in French cuffs and cufflinks, mm-hmm. um, and almost uh, a little bit more delicate of a male hand. And then the other guy is going to be the tool guy, the football guy. It's going to have a little hair on it. It's going to be a little thicker, a little meatier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, different hands for different jobs. Um, do, you, do you ever need hand models for, like, computer keyboards? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think maybe that would be where we would probably be best suited. Um, if you're not that tool guy, then cell phones, uh, keyboards, food, um, uh, specifically uh, any of the fast food restaurants. They want their food to look larger, so they like a smaller hand that's uh, a little bit more elegant because you don't want a hairy, meaty paw on your uh, burger. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you want the burger to look large. But if it's being held by a guy, you want it needs to be recognizably a man's hand, uh-huh. but a little smaller version. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, is there sometimes when I see some, like a runway model, mm-hmm. uh, I think that person is really just weird looking. You know, they're not, uh, to me, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just some, you know, a lot of models are really striking, but in kind of an odd way. Absolutely. Is there anything like that with hands where it's like, well, I, I'm not sure I like that hand, but it would make a good model? Um, yeah, minorly. Yeah. In the prescription arena when we get into arthritis, okay, those are not <laughs> going to be pretty hands. Um, but right. there is a minor demand for that. Yeah. Minuscule, but it's there. Does anybody ever come in and you look at their hands and they think they have beautiful, young, vibrant hands, but you're like, oh my gosh, you'd be perfect for our arthritis campaign. <laughs> Fortunately, no. I have not had that happen. So do you see do you see a lot of egos with with hand models no. like that you would with regular models? No, as a matter of fact, almost just the opposite. The, my best hand models are really calm. They're really low key. They're totally easy to deal with. Um, even in a high stress situation, they need to be, remain pretty zen. Yeah, because they can't be shaky. Um, so if you're doing a, a pour on set for a commercial or if you're doing a reach in and pick up uh, where you're picking up a piece of food or doing a dip with a piece of food, um, you need to have a very steady hand. So you just said a pour and a dip? Yes. And a reach in? Yeah. What are those are there other types of shots that you do with? Set downs. Set downs? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> are there people that you think of like, you know what, he's good on the poor, but his set down uh, isn't quite right. Not a set down guy. There is a, a, a very decided art to it. When you're picking up something, for instance, you want your thumb to be slightly curved. Because if you pick it up a, as you normally would and it's arched, you see the heavy wrinkles on the inside of the thumb. So when you see somebody do that on a commercial, you, oh, that's not a real pro. Yeah, it wasn't one of mine. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we should get a good, honest critique of our hands. Can can you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to – I'll give you my hand first here. Uh, should I leave my watch on or should I tell you it doesn't no, matter? No, uh, watch can stay on. Okay. I can see door damage here. Um, so, yeah, the knuckles are damaged, so that's going to be bad. 
Uh, on your middle finger, the knuckle is a little swollen, and we've got some discoloration in your nail. But your nail beds are very long, which is really nice. Um, and generally speaking, your uh, fingers are nice and long and tapered, so that's good. It's not that meaty man hand, but it's, it would end up on that more sophisticated side of hands. Mm-hmm. Um, would I be looking at you as a hand model? Probably not. Just right now, too much damage. I've been told before that, that I have really weird thumbs. Oh, if you oh they're very me... straight and they're long. It's weird, right? Yeah. Could I sell uh, McNuggets with these hands, you think? Uh, not bad. You've got some freckling on uh, the back of your hand. Mm. It's character. Um, you have a crooked middle finger it yeah. just and a crooked index finger as well. Um, it's an interesting curve. It's, not, uh, ne- it's neither a good thing nor a bad thing. It's just interesting. You have good moons. They're not exactly even, but they exist on all fingers. You had your, did you get a manicure? No. Because your cuticles look really good. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. So if, if Mike and I were the only... If you desperately needed a model, Mike and I were the only guys that had come into the office, uh, let's say for a cell phone, say, mm-hmm. who, would you, who would you hire? Um, if your hands weren't damaged, Ian, I'd probably <laughs> go with yours. Right. Um, but uh, they are. So yeah. I'd have to go with the undamaged hands. Yes. Yeah. Done a lot of you know, hard labor and just really heroic stuff. So I got damaged. I well, I have, I have naturally manicuring hands. Thanks, Wade. My pleasure. We are still collecting your Toilets of the Week. You can get your nominations to howto at npr.org. This week, uh, we have Phil on the line. Phil, tell us about your toilet. Well, I'm at McMurdo Station in Antarctica, and uh, the pipes in my building, believe it or not, they froze, as can happen (laughs) here. And I had to use a different toilet, one that is outside. And since it was minus 25 or minus 60 with the wind chill, and the wind chill counts when the toilet's outside... (laughs) I was thinking of you guys, and I thought this toilet would never make the best of toilet on your podcast. But perhaps you'd be interested in the worst toilet in Antarctica. And this toilet uh, has no heat, and it's just a number one toilet. And you go in there, you have to, for a man, uh, do your number one into a tin funnel. And I don't know if you've ever... Uh, I guess uh, we're talking toilets, so you pee into a funnel, and all of a sudden it feels like you're in a Turkish steam bath. It's uh, not a pleasant place. I mean, you're you're reaching through three layers of clothing to try and find the smartest part of your body that kind of retreats like a thermometer, <laughs> and it's like searching for a thimble in your pants. And by the time you get done, your hands are frozen, your body parts are frozen, and the pipes in my building, I, I uh, kind of had my own frozen pipe to deal with after I used this <laughs> oh. bathroom. So, Phil, uh, is the reason it's only a number one toilet? Because uh, a number two toilet, if you were to make contact, let's say, you would maybe be stuck there? You know, the, the women, this, this toilet is located at the waste barn at McMurdo Station. And there are two women who use this toilet all the time. I don't know if they do the hover. They have not let me in there to witness these things, but uh, it is, I mean, you're sitting on a styrofoam icicle. And I think the reason it's not a number two toilet is because you would have what we call down here a punicorn, where the poo starts to freeze and you would have to uh, bash it down because you don't want to, you don't want to sit on a point of poo. <laughs> you, you really call it a punicorn? A, a punicorn. That, well, you know, when the pipes froze at my building, when a pipes freeze, they break, 
and that meant that we had a leaky pipe outside of the building, and you could see this because there was a puna corn. And you really can't just, if, if, if all the bathrooms are occupied, just go outside and go against, against the building, can you? No. I, I think you've heard about how you can throw boiling water into the wind and it instantly freezes down here. I'm not going to test out that theory by uh, peeing against the building. That, And as I said, it really is. There, there are a lot of environmental laws here. You don't pee on the ground in Antarctica. You, uh, you have to have a bottle with you if you're going to be out in the field and make yourself a, uh, uh, a pee bottle. So how many people there uh, work work around and with you? It's the winter time here, so we, we're going to be underneath 24 hours of darkness as of, I think, April 21st. So it's a very bare-bones staff. There's 143 people here, 109 men, 34 women, and we will be here until the end of August, without a doubt. There aren't any planes coming in and out until then, and then most of us will leave here in October. So how do you keep from going crazy? That's assuming that we're not crazy to be here, but uh, you're, you're talking to possibly the only person on your show who's certifiably sane. We have to pass uh, a battery of psychological tests in order to stay here for the winter. And then you just kind of roll the dice and hope for the best as the winter goes along. Well, it, it seems like, you know, being so isolated and... Uh, for, for so long there that there you must have your own language down there. I wonder if if I were to show up, what are what are some uh, what's some lingo that I would hear that I would I would need to figure out. If you were to show up, the first thing we would call you is a fingy, which uh, stands for the effing new guy, <laughs> and you will be taking photos of everything that you see because it's all new to you. Asking when when do you get to see your penguin. Uh, well, we went over Pooh Sickle, and that's, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. You have your big red jacket. That's, they issue us clothing down here, and the big red is what everybody wears as it starts to get really cold, which makes it hard to recognize one another because you're walking outside and everyone has on the same outfit with their face covered, goggles on. And I've resorted just to calling everybody Mike because uh, <laughs> so Mike would do well down here. Yeah, there's seven, I think seven Mikes out of 143 people. So that's five percent of the population's name is Mike. So I'm only wrong 95 percent of the time, <laughs> and that's kind of an improvement. Any other any other tips for uh, my my trip down there? My only caution is that once you start coming down here, you fall in love with the continent, and no relationship can compare to this cold, dark, desolate, barren wasteland, and uh, you'll, you'll end up uh, losing out on a lot of friends and relationships once you start coming down here. That is my caution. Well, uh, Phil, congratulations. You have our Toilet of the Week. Dun-dun-dun. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, stay warm. Yeah, warmly yours. You guys uh, send some warm thoughts my way. I appreciate it. On Monday, Louisville beat Michigan to win the March Madness Bracket Tournament. But more importantly, uh, uh, we have a winner in our bracket pool. Uh, She's online with us now. Maggie, congratulations. Well done, Maggie. Well, thank you. What a huge victory. You had both teams in the championship game, and you picked the correct winner. I did. I'm so excited. How did you do that? Uh, You know, gut feeling. What's in your guts? 
uh, you know, magic fairy dust and a lot of Big East and Big Ten loyalty. Okay, okay. So did you have multiple brackets going? I did, and this was the best one. What were the prizes in the other pools? Uh, mostly a lot of bragging rights. Okay. Yeah. I was watching the game with a friend of mine who won her bracket and won $400, and uh, oh. I felt so bad that uh, our prize was nowhere near that. It, at one four hundredth of that, I think, probably at the most. Yeah. We actually, Maggie, we have a bottle of Malort that we can send you. Okay. Are you of drinking age? I am. Okay. Just hold your ID up to the phone. Okay. Are you? Are, is it coming in? Do yeah, you see I it? think so. I think so. Oh, good. Yeah, you look. That's not your best picture. Well, you know, nobody's is. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. We're so excited that you won, and we will be sending out your uh, How to Do Everything prize pack as soon as we figure out what goes in it. Awesome. Thank you. I'm so excited. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? Well, I learned that there are uh, jobs for us if we ever want them uh, down in Antarctica. Yeah, finding uh, mythical creatures. Creatures that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the punicorn belongs among the other mythical creatures. The, the flying horse, the, the pegasus. Oh, yeah, sure. The pupacabra. I also learned that um, neither of us are going to be hand models. No. I thought it was very interesting that uh, they want tiny, manly hands to make the burgers look bigger. Where do you get tiny, manly hands? On a tiny lumberjack. How to Do Everything is produced by Blythe Hega with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week was Phil in Antarctica. Our coldest intern yet. Well done, Phil. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And check out our website at howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks.